0: number one issue on my mind these days is abortion and abortion access. Our government at this point in time is
1: a me government, not a we government.
2: I think it's a travesty that Roe v.
1: Wade was overturned.
2: I have made decisions about who I'm voting for in the midterm elections, and it is all driven by who are the gun sense candidates. The gun violence epidemic in the U.S. concerns me more than any other issue.
3: My biggest concern right now is the fentanyl crisis going on. It's coming over our borders and all the people, the youth, dying from fentanyl poisoning. I'm just wondering um, what representatives are going to stand up. Now that I'm over 50, um, I definitely pay attention to politics because I see the effect that policies can have on every facet of life. My main Issues of concern are crime, number one, inflation, and the border.
4: Midterm elections are about a month away, and contests across the U.S. are in their final stretch. Women over the age of 50 cast over a third of the ballots in the 2018 and 2020 elections. They're among one of the most reliable voting blocks in midterm elections. A recent poll from AARP surveyed 800 women across the U.S., and it found that more than half of respondents are still unclear on which congressional candidates they'll vote for in five weeks. More than one-third of women voters say they are less financially secure than they expected they'd be at this stage of their lives. So it's no surprise the economy was one of the greatest concerns for those interviewed. What else is on their minds, and what can we expect during the midterms? We'll get into it after the break. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Remember to let us know what you think. Tweet us at 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. Introducing Group Sessions, a new BetterHelp therapy offering currently in pilot testing. Therapist Joy Berkheimer shares how finding a community of people with shared experiences can help clients become more comfortable with therapy.
1: For quite some time, we have not normalized mental wellness, and a lot of our families would shame you when you would say that you were feeling depressed or you're feeling overwhelmed. If you have been told over and over again that basically, you have a character flaw. If you're seeking therapy, that's going to be a reason that people don't want to go seek therapy. But actually being in group with other people and hearing them say a story that feels like it came right out of your book is huge. You're like, oh my gosh, this is not abnormal, right? And this person is further along in their journey than me. So now I know that therapy is something that can shift things for me. So really seeing their peers has been a huge shift for people accepting therapy for themselves.
4: To get 10% off your first month of online therapy, go to betterhelp.com
0: slash 1A.
4: Let's welcome our first guest. Joining us for the discussion is Marielle Padilla. She's a general assignment reporter for the 19th. Marielle, thanks for joining us.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
4: Also with us, Nancy Lamond. She's the chief advocacy officer and executive vice president at AARP. Nancy, thanks for being here. Well thank you for uh, for inviting me. Now Nancy AARP polled 800 women over the age of 50 across the US for this survey. Why was it important for your organization to better understand the political leanings and key issues for this voting demographic?
2: Well, as you know, Election after election, Americans age 50 and older cast the majority of ballots. In 2020, 52 percent were people over the age of 50. Uh, That's all people over the age of 50. And this year, we expected that women age 50 and up would be a particularly uh, critical cohort for three reasons. First, They are a very big group. There are 63 million age, 50 and older women across the country. Second, they turn out to vote. Uh, They cast 30% of ballots in 2020, while accounting for 25% of the voting age population. And third, uh, they're a key swing voting block. Uh, as, As you've said, these women are fairly evenly divided by party And we're going to talk more about uh, uh, how half of them have not yet made up their minds in this election year. We really wanted to try to understand that more.
4: Heather in Ohio emailed us, I am 79 and not undecided. My top issue is our ability to select our officials by voting. I grew up as a Republican and my first vote for president was for Goldwater. This year, the overwhelming issue is the future of our democracy. Now, Marielle, as we're hearing, voting rights and the security of our elections are key issues for many of these women. How has the so-called big lie and the attempted insurrection at the Capitol influenced this block of voters?
3: Yeah, um, I think that this has been a, uh, midterm year where we're seeing a lot more women in this block talk about threats on democracy, uh, threats against voting. Um, I've noticed in talking to voters throughout my reporting that depending on who I'm talking to, whether it's Republican or Democrat, um, they will be more concerned with things like election fraud versus, uh, the security of elections. Um, and voting rights, but I think that there is a common thread, and that is that the question of democracy is is more at the forefront now, um, especially after January sixth.
4: Now, Nancy, three-quarters of the respondents to the AARP poll found that cuts to Social Security would personally hurt them a lot. Over 15 million adults over 65 are considered economically insecure, and many depend on Social Security as a lifeline. Now, you said this is a, a significant issue for AARP members, but when we talk about poverty and economic security more broadly, what other issues do they point to? Is it just about Social Security or are they concerned about other policies as well?
2: Well, it's certainly about Social Security and uh, close to half of women over the age of 65 count on Social Security for at least 50 percent of their income. And so Social Security is hugely important. Um, also, we typically see Medicare and Medicaid as very important issues to, to older, older women, Healthcare generally, particularly for 50 to 64-year-olds. So it doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't surprise us at all to see the prominence of these, although the numbers were quite a bit higher than we suspected. Hmm. And, and tell me more. Well, um, uh, you know, we know Social Security is always an important issue, but to have it emerge as an issue, particularly for 50 to 64-year-olds – that said that this was something that would help them today, most of these women are not going to qualify for social security for another 10 years, eight years, five years. So for it to be that high on on their list of issues they want um, uh, candidates to focus on really suggests um, longer term concerns about economic security. Um, a little over half of them say the economy isn't working well for them today. They're watching uh, the, fact that they're paying more for food and gasoline, uh, they're paying more for health care services. Um, and uh, they're really – and they're also, to the extent they have private savings, they're watching that 401k balance bounce up and down every single day. Um, and we just think we, – we think economic issues uh, at the end of the day are going to stay very important along with, as you, your, your callers have said, concerns about democracy, voting rights, and division in the country.
4: Amarielle, um, poverty rates for older Black, Native American, and Latino women are more than twice that of older white women. That's according to the National Women's Law Center. How are Black women and other women of color driving the push to protect social security and poverty relief programs?
3: Well, I think that I think it's important, as you mentioned, to talk about how this isn't a monolithic group, um, and there is definitely a difference in who suffers more when it comes to economic insecurity, and I think. These groups, like you've mentioned, lower income and women of color, they have faced an uphill battle um, all along in building their retirement and now in in trying to protect access to Social Security. Um, so I think that there's a lot of things uh, that they're doing to to push for this, especially when it comes to policies to protect. Um, a lot of organizing to pass legislation. Um, Others are just gaining awareness and trying to build build more uh, grassroots movement.
4: Well, Nancy, how do you think federal and statewide candidates could do a better job of speaking to the concerns of women over 50?
2: well they they need to start talking to them uh, directly through tele town halls in to- a- 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 town hall meetings about the issues that are most on their mind and as we've said, and as all of your callers have said, uh, these include a wide range of of subjects uh, this isn 't a monolithic group. Uh, people are waiting to hear and one of your callers uh, early in the program made a very important point, which was she didn 't feel uh public officials really understood her her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did focus groups in the spring, and and we were just overwhelmed by the messages of older women. Um, They felt invisible. They felt that uh, politicians didn't understand their lives. Many were caregivers. About a third of them were were caregivers. And we launched a program a few weeks ago called In My Shoes, asked people to email us and tell us their stories just as people have phoned into you today. Within a few days, we had 33,000 stories Mm -hmm. from women. And so we urge uh, any candidate to come and listen to what these women have said to us but also to reach out to them uh, uh, across the country. Um, We also know that older women in the last couple of elections have been the largest group of ticket splitters. And we think that's important as well. As uh, women are looking uh, at gubernatorial candidates, Senate candidates, local candidates, Uh, they're willing to vote across party lines. And we think this is an important message for, uh, for people running for office.
4: We'll be back with more in just a moment. Now let's get back to the midterms in the largest undecided block of voters, women over 50. Joining me now is Christine Matthews. She's the president of Bellwether Research and Consulting. Christine, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Also with me is Christina Wolbrecht. She's a professor of political science at the University of Notre Dame. She's also the co-author of the book, A Century of Votes for Women, American Elections Since Suffrage. Christina, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Christina, how significant were women 50 plus during the 2016, 2018 and 2020 election cycles?
0: Well, as your other panelists have said, um, this is an incredibly large group. So not only does turnout um, increase over time, but because women are uh, more likely to live longer, there are simply more women over the age of 50 than there are men over the age of 50. And so these are really significant groups. I think some of your earlier questions got at the really important dynamic in 2016, which was actually that the, the gender gap overall didn't move very much, but what did move was that Trump really drew a lot of um, uh, white, non-college-educated women uh, to the Republican Party, which was a pretty, which was a a trend, but but it was a pretty historic shift in 2016. While on the other hand, Trump's election and Hillary Clinton's nomination pushed a lot of um, college-educated, white women in particular, but college-educated women of color as well, even more strongly towards the Democratic Party. And we've really only seen that gap continue to grow over time. And so when we think about these sort of struggles over voters, age is, of course, really key, especially for its relationship to turnout. But as you've said, these other divisions um, on the basis of race, on the basis of education, on the basis of income, um, are driving things as well.
4: Here's an email we got from Catherine. I'm a woman over 50 and I don't fit into any political box. I am pro-life. I am for strict gun control. I believe every citizen should have guaranteed health care. The increase in crime and the chaos of the border crisis worries me greatly. I have not found a candidate in my home state of New York who reflects my values, making voting with confidence no easy task. And I bring that email up, Christina, to just have you explain a little bit about the limitations of polling data and, and how much we We can really read into
0: it. Yeah, so that's a great uh, example, I think, of a lot of the dynamics. Um, One of them is: is you're talking about a person who um, political scientists might call ambivalent or cross pressured. Right, this person has identified um, a number of issues they feel strongly about, but some of them are better represented by Democrats, and some of them are better represented by. Um, Republicans. There is some evidence that people who are cross pressured are actually take longer to decide how to vote. And if we think about it, that makes perfect, right? Uh, uh, a sense that if you can't find the exact right party, you have to, it takes you a while to sort of figure on where you're going to settle. Um, I think uh, it's also a reminder of you know how we want to uh, be able to get as full of, of picture as as we can, um, and always to be able to see um, um, where the complexity um, of people. There are good ways to ask those questions that let us see that, um, but it often often takes um, a bit of a bit of work and a bit of time. Um, as I know, your other guests know better than I do how very difficult it is to to run good polls these days.
4: Well, Nancy, we, we mentioned. And this 51% of the women you polled who who don't know who they want to vote for. And as we said, 94% are very excited to vote in the midterms. But why are some older women still undecided?
2: Well, I think they're still looking at the candidates, waiting to hear candidates talk about issues that are important to them. And uh, I should say also, we, we've polled over the last few, few elections and asked people when they make up their minds. And typically, older voters make up their minds well before Election Day, often in the spring. And so this is very startling to us that so many have not yet decided and are still waiting for candidates to address issues important to them.
4: We asked women over 50 what they were concerned about for the upcoming elections, and lots of you called in.
2: I'm 73.
3: I graduated from college before Roe v. Wade was decided. Um,
2: I think the option for abortion is important, and I think we have to protect that, and that's why I'm voting the way I am. I'm 84 years old. I am so furious that... Our right to choose for our families and our bodies has been taken away from me. If you are becoming more conservative as you get older, you are not paying attention. Pay attention to the changes that our society has blissfully and inappropriately allowed to go forward, including the Dobbs decision.
4: Thanks to Eleanor in Michigan, Joy in Texas, and Diane in Ohio. Christina, as we heard from the callers there, the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade put the spotlight back on abortion. How clear is it how much of a motivator this issue will be for women over
0: 50? So. We're in a really unique situation here. And so historically, that is to say in the 50 years following Roe v.ersus Wade, um, for the most part, I think it's important first to say that in terms of uh, attitudes on abortion, men and women don't actually vary that dramatically. Although, as your uh, callers suggest, it might be an issue of more prominence or priority for women than it is for men. Um, that said, um, we really didn't have a pro-choice block of voters um, uh, in the decades following Roe versus Wade. Um, if anyone sort of acted as if abortion was a priority, it tended to be pro-life voters more. And we might think of, for example, voters who supported Donald Trump and his promise to appoint pro-life justices in 2016. Um, that may be remain true, Um, but it also might have been a function of the fact that for pro-choice voters, um, they had the benefit of the status quo, whereas pro-life voters were trying to change something and therefore might have been more mobilized by a threat or um, dissatisfaction with the status quo. We've, of course, now switched positions. And so um, while I think it's premature to suggest that abortion will be the main or the driving issue for any group of voters, um, it's, it's that difference of now having... Having, uh, being on the defensive and and a status quo they don't like for, they don't care for, uh, that may be especially important for pro-choice voters this time around.
4: Well, Christine, just under half of women voters over 50 say the economy is not working well for them. And, and you gave us some of the demographic uh, breakdown behind those numbers. But a little more than a third say they're not as financially secure in this stage of life as they thought they'd be. How is inflation and and the rising cost of living shaping how this block of voters thinks about the upcoming election?
1: Oh, that is, I think, one of the most important findings in this survey. Um, A third of women, as you mentioned, uh, over the age of 50, feel like they are less financially secure than they expected. But a plurality, 43% of women 50 to 64 feel that way. So they are really feeling the pinch and sort of this disappointment with where they are in terms of their life. Senior women, 65 plus, are feeling and doing a little bit better. But women 50 to 64 um, are, are one, they feel like they're not where they should be. And 31% of them in our survey of women 50 to 64 report having stopped saving for retirement mm. due to higher cost of living. 72% of women 50 to 64 have cut back on non-essential purpose pur- purchases. Almost half have cut back on essential purchases. So this is real. The, the situation with inflation and the economy is really taking a bite out of and, and a bite out of the sense of security for women 50 to 64. Um, they're, they're the voters who are really, I think, feeling the pinch the most.
4: Christine, Women Over 50 includes a wide range of voters when you consider things like race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, religious affiliation. What were some of the key similarities your polling data found across these groups?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And um, On many issues, uh, the women are, you know, have differences of opinion based on their age, their race, where they live, their party. Um, But there's some things that there's agreement upon. And that is um, certainly... The economy is an issue and they have taken action to, uh, you know, sort of they've cut back on things and that sort of thing. And they're also very concerned about protecting Social Security and Medicare. And that is one thing that we found across the board, um, that they're very concerned about threats to Social Security and that it might be uh, in danger. And that is one thing that they all agree on. What were some of the
4: essential differences when you break it down based on racial lines, Christine?
1: Um, Yeah, very, very different. Um, In some regards, first of all, our uh, Hispanic women are much more undecided than— uh, black women or white women this election cycle. So I know there's been a lot of focus on uh, where Hispanic voters will go uh, this election cycle, and women over 50 are very undecided. Um, and the in terms of the economy, um, we did a poll earlier this year, and um, Hispanic women 50 and older are much more negative now about how the economy is working for them than they were earlier this year. White women um, are about the same, and black women are actually more positive about the economy than they were even earlier this year. So that's a really significant difference.
4: What happens when you account for educational levels? What key differences do you see?
1: Well, um, college-educated women tend to be a more democratic cohort and they behave a little bit more like democratic women. Um, and democratic women over 50 are um, very, very concerned about threats to democracy and voting rights and even gun violence. Um, non-college-educated women over 50 tend to be a little bit more Republican and Republican women are uh, very concerned about inflation and rising prices. That is a driving issue for Republican women, non-college-educated women, as well as crime. Um, they tend to, to uh, talk about crime, but Democratic women tend to talk about gun violence. And I heard one of, the, uh, one of your callers refer to the gun violence epidemic. And that is, that is something that is a big concern to Democratic women, also college-educated women.
4: That's Christine Matthews. She's president of Bellwether Research. Also with us, Marielle Padilla, a general assignment reporter for the 19th. Also with us, Nancy Lamond. She's the chief advocacy officer and executive vice president at AARP. And Christina Wolbrecht. She's a professor of political science at the University of Notre Dame. She's also the co-author of the book, A Century of Votes for Women, American Elections Since Suffrage. Today's producer was Chris Remington. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk more soon. This is 1A.